Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. The actual roster for the World Cup is out. Greg, how you doing? Bells, I am I am shocked. Uh, there were some shocks, which which is is tough to do in 2022 to to have this a list of 26 people. Uh, and even though there were some leaks, to still manage to sneak in a couple of shocks, I'm not necessarily upset uh, at some of the some of the surprises. Um, but I, I will definitely say, like I, I was a little bit I was a little bit taken aback. A couple of our locks from our preview episode were not locks after all. Well, let's do, let's just go before we give the whole roster because everybody listening to this will know the roster by the time they listen to this. Let's talk about the shocks. What's the biggest shock for you? Biggest shock for me is probably going to be Zach Steffen. Uh, I think it is the correct choice soccer wise. Um, you know, I, we, we've talked for a long time about Steffen never really earning the job through his play. It has always felt since 2018 that he was just sort of installed as the number one. Yeah, it was a coronation. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was, it was always strange to me. His, his play on the field never really seemed to merit that kind of security as being the absolute default number one uh but he definitely seemed to be and he was up until you know matt turner gold cup in 2021 put some questions for other people uh, in their minds some doubts and and even then stefan you know through world cup qualifying berhalter seemed to lean back that direction uh towards stefan to start eventually a healthy matt turner was you know replaced by stefan again uh and and so it was there was always this question in the air of like, who does he actually favor? Um, and now there's no longer a question about that. Yeah, I mean, you, you've said for a long time that you, you thought there was going to be a mysterious knock for Stefan right before the world cup. And that was, it wasn't, that wasn't the way it went. They didn't uh, play it that way. No, no, no. they, they didn't seem to at least offer any kind of an out and they couldn't. Stefan played a soccer match today. Right. Yeah. You, so there's, there's sort of no way around it with, with the, uh, with the busyness of the schedule and the, the tight turnaround to the world cup, I guess, I guess I hadn't thought that through. You can't pretend there's a knock because he's, he's playing soccer games as we speak. And I wonder if you could pretend there's a knock with the player's complicity. If they're, you know, if there definitely isn't a knock, you know, <laughs> it might be, that might get a little tricky too. It, it was the Stefan's omission was the kind of the big headline, I think for a lot of the sort of mainstream media for lack of a better term. Um, it was the thing that was asked about by the first three reporters at the press conference. Here's something, um, here's something uh, Berhalter said. Really it. difficult. I mean, there's a lot of emotion involved for, for both them and me. You know, um, me and Zach go way back, and, and Zach's been there for me a bunch of times. And, um, and to tell him he's not going to be part of the World Cup team was, was heartbreaking for me. Um, but, you know, those are decisions that we made as a staff. And um, like I said, we move forward. And now it's about who do we have in camp and how are we going to be successful? Heartbreaking. Um, for for Greg Berhalter. Berhalter, yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that that is the case. I don't know that it's a great PR move to make yourself the one who's heartbroken here <laughs> on the question about Zach Steffen's heartbreak. But it may uh, be hard. I mean, but I, I'll take him at his word. It may be heartbreaking. For oh, him, no, no, no. I have no doubt yeah, that it is. Yeah. I mean... Greg Berhalter seems like a coach who absolutely loves these guys, right? Like, I don't think there's any question about that. 
So I do think it was heartbreaking for Greg Berhalter. I don't think it's necessarily the right play to spin that back around and be like, oh, I, yeah, I get it. Zach's having a hard time, but wh- what about me over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what he... And again, yeah, yeah, yeah. E- yeah. even what we're doing now is like almost too, like, uh, too casually like kind of chuckling about this stuff. This is hard. This is a tough moment for Zach Steffen. It's almost, it almost feels... Like, like the guy was kind of let, let on here. And, and that's kind of going back to our analysis of him not ever really being the best or even second best or maybe even third best goalkeeper in the pool. Like, I've never seen anything from him. And in fact, we've seen a lot of instances where it's like, this guy should not be on the roster. If, if he didn't have the aura that he somehow built, um, there's nothing from his play that would suggest he should be a bulletproof inclusion in a top three for the goalkeepers and there was just always this weird undercurrent of i mean the guy got signed by pep guardiola that that does matter to an aura right a lot of people a lot of people for a lot of people that's the main thing they know about stefan as well so he he just to recap quickly he he did he did lose man city some important games in the cup their cup competitions and when i say important games i mean important games like a semifinal and a final knockout games where he had a huge mistake that lost them the game and um, he had a, quite a few walkabouts for the U.S. I mean, you've put, you put the video together. We don't need to make this whole thing a prosecution of Zach Steffen. But the point is, his omission actually does make sense. And um, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, in our projection, my wish list was, and it has been for a while, has been Turner, Horvath, and Sean Johnson. Um, and I think those three are better. I think they're three better goalkeepers than Zach Steffen. He's been better with Middlesbrough than he was uh, in those in the past year of, of walkabouts, but the bar was set really low. Right. Again, not we we shouldn't even hammer on the the big thing here. The big thing here, I think, is for the people who have kind of concluded this about Zach Steffen's goalkeeping. This is a huge relief, I think, because there was still this open question about who will actually be the starter for the U.S. Um, and now one of the two guys in contention because of what we know about Greg Berhalter reading, trying to read his mind two of the guys that we would have put in contention, one of them just got dropped completely. It's Matt Turner now. And that's a huge relief, I think, for a lot of people. For me, there is no one who raises our ceiling more than Matt Turner for how far we can go into a World Cup now that we know he's the starter. You think he not only raises our floor, he raises our ceiling? I think it's both. Yeah, I definitely think it's both. And so um, to, to have him locked in as the number one now and not have to sort of you know wonder whether or not that will play out, uh, that's it. Turner Turner's the guy and barring injury or suspension for some kind of a <laughs> denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Matt Turner is going to be the the player playing all of the World Cup minutes unless we qualify for the knockouts after two games and then give Sean Johnson a game. Let him enjoy that. Right. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be easy against Iran when we can kind of rest all our starters. <laughs> That'll be nice. So um, that's my big I guess that's my big thing on the Stefan thing is it, it, it feels like a relief as hard as that is to say. The guy has to be heartbroken. There's no way he would have like seen this coming at least up until March of, of this year. Like he maybe by March he'd started to have some real conversations with Burhalter. That would have been after his Costa Rica walkabout. Uh, and he also had a couple of walkabouts against Panama. Um, and then in May he would have had the the FA Cup howler. So so maybe those kinds of conversations were happening. I don't know. Walkabout, for what it's worth, is a is when you leave the goal mouth and do not secure the ball. 
leaving the goal mouth open. Uh, so, since it seems like we're going to spend a fair amount of time talking about each of these snubs, let's just give the let's just switch it up and give the roster. So, so the roster is in goal: Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath, and Sean Johnson. And um, by the way, Berhalter announced the roster from a uh, from some kind of venue in New York live. Well, he didn't announce it live, but he came on to talk about it after it was announced live. Uh, and then some of these players were there. Sean Johnson was one of them who was there, mostly domestic base players. Um, center backs are going to be Walker Zimmerman, Tim Ream, Cameron Carter-Vickers, and Aaron Long. Um, let's, say, let's talk about that. Are you surprised Tim Ream is there? Well, no, because that was one of the big leagues, right? So we kind of knew that was coming. Um, and we knew it was possible. We were all kind of hoping there'd been a shift in some of the plugged in media over the last month talking about Tim Ream. And usually that stuff matters. They're not just speculating wildly. Uh, so there was, there was definitely an inkling that this was going to happen. And I'm glad it did because for the longest time, again, we've been saying we got to have at least one of these ball playing center backs on the roster, even if he's not the starter, because we're going to go with some kind of a high line concept. We got to have this in our pocket. And all through qualifying, that guy we were arguing for was John Brooks, because I think at, when they're both playing, John Brooks is better than Tim Ream. John Brooks uh, and Tim Ream both got banished. Brooks, when it's time to bring one of them back, is no longer playing soccer, um, and Tim Ream is. Carter Vickers, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little, you know, I'm not surprised to see him there, but sort of relieved to see him there. Um, also a little rele- relieved to see Mark McKenzie not there that's that sounds horrible too <laughs> so the other I mean, question mark again i'm not trying to laugh and sound callous the other question mark here was how many will we bring how many center backs will we bring four or five and going four means mckenzie uh loses out and that's tough but ream becomes the ball playing center back and i guess it's just a matter of if you're going to accept some uh some risk of of sort of the uh i mean ream and mckenzie both have that have that mistake prone reputation ream at the moment has a better track record recently against much tougher competition we don't have any world-class center backs there's no world-class center backs being left off the off the roster here fullback there's five of them five of them and definitely some surprises here uh serginio dest i mean surprises relative to maybe what we thought a month ago not relative to the leaks over the last few days but serginio dest of course and anthony robinson DeAndre Yedlin uh, got the call, Joe Scally got the call, and my man Sha- Shaq Moore got the call uh, instead of Reggie Cannon. And yeah. Berhalter may have been asked about that in the press conference. I, I, I haven't watched the whole thing. I didn't, I didn't see that. What, what's your take on that? So we brought five fullbacks and Cannon didn't make the five. Because, again, this was one where we, we were kind of thinking maybe it would be four um, between Dest and Scally, those guys can both play on the right or left, so you could see getting away with four. We brought five, but used the extra slot. We thought it was worth it to go with Shaq Moore. You're a Shaq Moore guy. Where do you stand on fifth fullback Shaq Moore? Well, Cannon's been pretty, I think we can agree, been pretty unconvincing in his last few appearances for the U.S. Um, and he's, he's playing, the last I checked, he's playing center back in a back four for Bovista in Portugal. So he's not even playing fullback. Uh, I think more, you know, more really did a job for us against Panama in that must win game in Orlando. 
and we always reward the players who helped us qualify for the World Cup. Oh, man. We always do. We're so. recording this late. This is why I'm going to be very chuck- chuckly because I'm getting it's, it's, it's almost like a gallows humor thing where it's like, oh, uh, yeah, some of these guys were left off. So um, Cannon has felt like a staple, right? He has been in everything since since the Gold Cup of 2019. He has been to everything, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, so it's a shock. It's a shock for him not to be there. I'm, I, I agree with the choice. I just. Yeah. So from a soccer sense, this is one where I'm totally indifferent, right? I wanted Jedi, I wanted Dest, I wanted Scally, and after that, I mean, look, I wanted Yedlin because Mountain Boys, like him and Way are buddies, and Way is my favorite player in the history of soccer. So I wanted Yedlin there with to be Way as buddy, to be a player coach. And yeah. I think I think Berhalter mentioned that Way and Yedlin are like, I mean, he talked about. Did I don't he know mention if he dropped that? Mountain Boys? But I think he was talking about Way and. <laughs> Uh, did, he drop the, the, did he drop the URL? <laughs> he said they do the pregame playlists. So mm. uh, it, that's a like this is real stuff, right? Like this this kind of that kind of stuff does matter um, for for a camp like this for an extended World Cup group. So again, I'm glad Yedlin's there. I did not care at all and haven't cared at all who the extra fullback is in a soccer sense. We'll talk about it more, but like it still hurts like just to think about Reggie Cannon and everything he's done for this program for this cycle to miss out here. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts for sure. Um, I have a point to make as soon as we finish this listing of the roster, but um, just don't f- let me forget to make okay. it. Uh, like, what was that point? <laughs> one, well, one more about Shaq Moore, just because he's a good crosser. He gets forward. Good crosser. He, he could, he could deputize as like a defensive uh, winger. If we ever have to do that, um, because we've left okay. one of our other defensive winger options home. Um, he has an occasional left back uh, game to his name. That might've been three years ago. No, no, no. Tenerife. Two, two last, two last year for okay. Tenerife. Uh, two so last season. And once uh, for us against France in 2018 <laughs> for grandpa, Dave, grandpa, Dave Sarakin. Um, no, I, I'm just saying like that it's, it's also a real cool story in its own right. Cause Shaq Moore was a guy like we were still following him when he was in the second division in Spain. And it was kind of like, uh, we'd mention it and just be like, I don't know that Shaq Moore is any worse than some of these other options we're testing out at right back. Like before Serginho Dest came in and like stole the show. Uh, I was like, I don't know. Shaq Moore could still be the guy. There's nothing that suggests he's way outclassed here and so to see him come in after that long and uh make it to a world cup is like it it does give me a little bit of the warm fuzzies yeah i i if i remember correctly daryl the late daryl grove and i made an episode of the total soccer show in december 2017 where we talked about um both shaq moore and anthony robinson um we i don't think we talked about dest or scally though well, that's just shot to like the must listen uh, top of my podcast list. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe don't. I don't know. Uh, defensive midfield is uh, Adams and Acosta. No surprise there. Tyler Adams, Kellen Acosta. Center mids, the more advanced midfielders would be McKenney, Wes McKenney, Eunice Musa, Brendan Aronson, Luca Della Torre, and Christian Roldan. Wingers. Well, go ahead. No, there's there's really nothing nothing of note here, right? I mean, Roldan getting in can't be a huge surprise. Um, we had kind of uh, eliminated any other eights from consideration. Eric Williamson, you know, Keaton Parks never got a look. Gianluca Busio's been 
uh, sort of out in the cold for a while. So the fact that we were going to be slim on on center mids um, and the fact that Berhalter is very obviously keen on Christian Roldan, that sort of makes sense. Aronson being listed here, uh, he's been listed as midfielder before and still played as a winger for the for the actual games. So I'm only reading into it a little bit. He obviously played center mid in the June window. Um, I, it's it's clear he's going to be a possible swing player for mm-hmm. for different formation and setups that we could have. Okay. And Roldan, I guess so far for vibes, guys, we have Yedlin and Roldan, right? Uh, and then w- the wingers would be Christian Pulisic, Giovanni Reyna, Tim Weah, and Jordan Morris. A little surprised to see him instead of Paul Ariola. Yeah, that's the that's the other that's the uh, that is another sort of snub. But but again, this is where you had guys like uh, Malik Tillman who would be left off of this group as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Georgie Mihailovic, some people wanted to get a chance, which is understandable, but it never materialized with injuries and then potentially just Berhalter not thinking it was worth it. Um, but between like Morris, Ariola, Malik, Georgie, I mean, throw a couple of darts and, and bring them on the team. Like as long as our, as long as we have enough bodies at the end and those fringe spots, it doesn't seem like too much to get worked up about. Also, I've never subscribed to the idea that you need to get fringe players experience for a World Cup four years later because the odds of any one fringe player actually still being in the World Cup picture four yeah. years later tends very to be low. very low. All right. And then the strikers are Jesus Ferreira, Josh Sargent, and Haji Wright. Yeah, you kind of called that one but <laughs> earlier this week. Man, that was, I mean, I was you, half doing a bit. I mean, like I, I had always wanted a change up striker on the on the list because I we've been saying Sergeant Ferreira and uh Pepe are redundant in a sense or they kind of give you three of the same thing. Uh you know there's minor there's not they're not the exact same player, but um you know we didn't have a change up striker and I think Berhalter went with the change up striker and he dropped one of the three that he considered was redundant. Uh we've had a striker hat in effect for a while and thought maybe it would dissolve after the September window, and it did not. It was it was in effect right up until the deadline. Yeah, but Pepe, Pepe. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna go into it. Pepe was the second biggest shock of this roster reveal, no question. No, for me, is the biggest top shock. Two. Top two, yeah. For me, is the biggest shock. Yeah, I'm broken up about it. But before we get into that, um, I think here's the list of who will actually play the lion's share of the minutes because I was, I was texting with a, a friend of mine who's uh, I mean, he may be a very intense soccer fan, but he's not, you know, sort of in our little world here. And um, he was just, he was said he was mystified by some of the down roster MLS inclusions. And I said, well, you know, vibes, vibes, come on vibes, you know? And, um, and he's, I, I wish I wish I would like to get more than vibes from players on the world cup roster. And, I, I didn't write back to him because I didn't want to argue with him and I didn't really have, to, have time to, but he, here's who I think will actually play in the World Cup. And I think it, it's, it's like maximum 15 players or actually play a significant role. And it's going to be Matt Turner in goal, Walker Zimmerman, and uh, kind of question mark at left center back. It would probably be Tim Ream, but I, I don't know that for sure. Um, and then the fullback is going to be Destin Robinson playing all the minutes. Adams is going to play all the minutes he can at defensive midfield. McKinney and Moose are going to play all the minutes they can in the midfield as well. 
Pulisic, Reyna, and Weah are going to get almost, well, Aronson's going to get minutes too. I'm not sure how that's going to sort out, but let's say those four, the four wingers are going to play in some way or another. And then I, I kind of hope it's Josh Sargent who gets most of the minutes at striker, but it's, it's going to be he, he and Ferreira probably getting most of the minutes with Reich, Reich coming on as a change of pace. So right. I think, I think I just listed off 15 players with, uh, with two potentially two center backs sharing the time. Yeah, I mean, this- isn't, Go ahead. No, 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 you finish, finish your thought. Well, isn't the truth, like, whoever starts the game against Wales at center back will also start the game against England unless they play very badly against Wales. I think that's what it would be, right? So barring a shot, so if someone's really bad they're at, at that left center back spot, then their minutes are gone because they're dropped the rest of the tournament. And we've seen Berhalter do that in tournaments before. Somebody starts the first game, so he clearly is like, this is the guy, and then they're not great, Jonathan Lewis. And then he's just done for the rest of the tournament. So uh, that is that is very possible what we see from this center left center back spot. I don't think Zimmerman's going anywhere. Uh, but yes, I, I think I think you're mostly right, and, and that doesn't mean that um, injuries can't happen, and and we we can just sort of shrug that off and be like the rest of the roster doesn't matter. Uh, but even like what you're saying with the four wingers between our big four: Pulisic, Reyna, Wea, and Aronson. Those guys will also deputize in the midfield. So if one of the midfield three goes down, if one yeah. of MMA goes down, it will probably be one of Wea or Aronson coming back into the field and uh, taking one of our very good attacking players and shifting them into a more midfield role, maybe changing our shape slightly. But yes, yeah. I, I think you're totally right. That's where the minutes are going to come from. That's who's going to see us out of the group. Um, it seems and it's 15, it's 15 guys, 15, 15 16 at the most. My big worry was that the that the roster was going to have big gaping holes in position groups, and it does not. Like for me, the roster construction here is totally fine. You can quibble with, you can definitely quibble. There's always going to be quibbling at the margins because as you get deeper to those margins, the gap separating any two players narrows. But the the balance of the roster for me is fine. We've got enough players at every position group to get by. We have some weaknesses, but I don't think there are any obvious. Uh, solutions who were left off um other than maybe like the the one guy who maybe is left off that could be a different player would be jordan pfock if he's the actual change of pace striker we need versus what haji could give us yeah but that's it i mean for me i'm I'm, i am shocked by a couple of these decisions but not in any way like this doesn't make sense from a soccer standpoint yeah, I think I'll just list off what's encouraging about it to me is the is the Stefan's omission, even though I I you know, moment of silence for him because I mean he's poured his life into this, uh, and it's got to be you know it's going to go down as one of his life's biggest disappointments. You know, um, CCV making it onto the roster I think is good. He's a good, solid defender who who takes his job very seriously. He's not a perfect player, but he's I think he's going to be useful. If he's called upon, Tim Ream, Shaq Moore, Joe Scally, I, that wasn't that was that wasn't something you could say was never in doubt. You know, um, Scally was not a given a month ago, and um, Luca Della Torre being on. There were some rumors even as late as today that he wasn't going to be on the roster. So I was relieved to see that he was on there, even though he didn't play well against Japan, even though he doesn't play hardly at all for Celta Vigo. We've seen enough from him where he can he can come in and do a pretty good job in the midfield for us, and I'm glad to see Sargent too. For going back to Luca, 
Uh, my assumption the whole time was that if he was going to be left off, it was going to be because of this injury that has ruled him out for his club up through the World Cup. I never right. thought he was going to be out because of a uh, sporting decision. So, um, I'm, I'm again, the, our coaching staff has way more information on any of these injuries and recoveries than we have. So that, for me, just him being included, very promising. Same for Weston McKenney, obviously, who's not back yet with Juventus. Uh, I don't think he's traveling for their midweek game. Um, so it's, Turner didn't play today for Arsenal, even though they had a cup match and he's supposedly fit. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is bubble wrap stuff or if this is uh, really squeaky bum stuff for injury recovery. It's a weird time. Dest, Dest hasn't been playing. And uh, did you see his tweet where he had put out sort of like a Marvel comic image of himself in front of a giant city? I don't know. It was very, uh, very dramatic. <laughs> But he looks like he's, he, he, at least in spirit, he's ready to go. All right. Um, um, the yes, snubs. No, you've got you, really good points on what this roster does have. And I, again, I think it's balanced enough. I think, uh, I think our 11, my 11 that I have penciled in for Wales is still intact. I didn't lose anybody for the Wales game uh, from, from the roster. So I think, I think we can, I think we can pull, put together a tournament here. I think we can do something. There was a great set of, videos where Berhalter was FaceTiming the players and, you know, telling them that they were going to play in the World Cup. And I think the one that was the most uh, effective or affecting was was the one with Sargent because Sargent was, uh, he, t- he told Berhalter, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe all day thinking about this. And then he, he pulls his shirt over his head because I think to hide the fact that he was welling up with tears probably. Just let it out, Josh. Let it out, buddy. So I mean, you know, he's he's uh he's had a long road, a long professional road that is, and really really happy to see that his hard work has paid off. One FaceTime call that we did not get to see was the one with Ricardo Pepe, and um, I'm sad about it, man. I know. I mean, well, why don't you tell me what you think first, and then I'll sort of go into my. So same, same thing I was saying from a soccer standpoint, uh, like I am fine with Pepe being left off. Uh, I would have been, I mean, I'm a Ferreira guy. I would have been fine with Ferreira being left off. If, if the line, if the roster was Sergeant Pepe Haji, even Haji kind of sneaking in over Ferreira, it'd be like, sure, that's fine. Like Sergeant and Pepe can do the things that Ferreira was doing. And we've got, we've got Haji here sort of his, his own shot. This is a fine soccer, you know, group of three forwards to bring. Um, the Pepe one hurts just like the Stefan one and the Ariola one hurt so much because those guys poured so much into the cycle, right? Like we invested in them and it's, it just, it's, it hurts to see that investment that we've made as supporters of the U S national team, then sort of get left by the wayside uh, as the team moves on without them. So I think just from the human side, that is painful. It's just a very natural thing to feel sad about. Um, even though, it's just the harsh reality of a roster deadline. And I'm not going to say like Berhalter was just leading these guys on for, for nine months, but, but like it, it, you know, imagine how they feel like they've got the rug has totally been pulled out from them because of sort of, I mean, I don't know what that FaceTime's like, right? Like, Hey, I've know, really man. enjoyed our time together, but I just met this new forward and, and I'm going with him like that's, it's tough. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is when Berhalter called Pepe in for the September window and didn't call Pifak or Haji Wright, I mean, 
I don't know that there was even that much clamoring for Haji Wright at that point, but he didn't call either of them. He said at that time, you know, we have the information we need, we need on some of the players who aren't here. We wanted to get another look at some of the players that we called in. This is not who's going to necessarily be on the World Cup roster. And everybody was like, yeah, right, Greg, you're just saying that. And he was actually very true to his word on this, on this one. Uh, this is a bolt out of the blue that Haji Wright would come and be on this World Cup roster. Well, and what, what felt like the door was closed was because Pepe was scoring goals. Like, I mean, no two ways about it. The guy is racking up goals and assists. So it's like he's a Burhalter guy. Like Burr, he saved Burhalter's job in, in September of 2021. Um, Burhalter stuck with him all through, almost all through qualifying, started to rotate, but not in a way that was like he was down on Pepe. Uh, he still started at the Azteca yeah, against yeah. Mexico. And then I he mean, started in Costa Rica. So he started two of our last three qualifying matches. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so it, it definitely felt like, uh, once Pepe started scoring again, got out of Augsburg, got it to the Netherlands, started just racking up goals, even though, again, the underlines are the underlyings. Uh, it, I mean, I didn't think I didn't think Berhalter was going to be that much of a finishing truther, to be honest, non-truther. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that a little bit on the live show. Um, somebody Nick Nick brought up the idea that maybe I mean, does this all prove that Berhalter is just an abs- absolute, uh, you know, he adheres completely to the underlying numbers. Big ghost stats guy always has been. No, um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I, I do. I actually do take Berhalter at his word here that um, he didn't necessarily need Ferreira, Sergeant, and Pepe. So uh, between the out of the three of them, he just it it will always come down to like there's no there's no algorithm that does it. A coach is just going to say those are the two that I just feel like give me the best chance to win. Yeah. But well, you tell us, like, I get that this hits you especially hard. Uh, I mean, for God's sake, Bells, you've you've composed you've composed a, like a whole. No, yeah, score. the songs, There's the songs are the songs are 100 percent cursed. No more songs or Buzio until or further Pepe. notice. Uh, now, McKenney's McKenney's still OK, but but tell us. Yeah, us- I, th- I think, you know, not only is Pepe a great story, you know, um, a kid from El Paso who chose the USA over Mexico and scored two game-winning goals in the first two windows of World Cup qualifying. He was, after the exclusion of Paul Ariola, and then, you know, the chronological order of the roster reveal earlier today, Ariola, we knew Ariola was gone before we knew that Pepe was gone. So Pepe was the last Mexican-American on the roster. Now, Christian Roldan is, uh, I think he's Salvadoran, Guatemalan, and um, Jesus Ferreira is Colombian-American. So have some Spanish speakers on the team, but no Mexican-Americans. Now, people will rightly point out Mexico has no Mexican Americans on their <laughs> roster either. Uh, but I don't know, man. Reading reading what some of the people on the Discord were saying tonight, I don't know. Did you see what like Mario was saying? Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. Jorge and I mean, it. This is uh, if you have like ten roster spots that are really not going to play that much anyway, you got to give the, we got to give one of those spots to Ricardo, man. I don't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start a protest over it, but I'm just saying like from like optimizing what we're doing as a soccer program, trying to make the best decisions for the future of American soccer, Pepe should have been on this roster. Yeah, and the the snub, the full roster snub will hit harder, much harder than I mean, would it would it be any better if he was on the team but didn't play for a second because yes, it would things, be better. It would be, right? Because he wouldn't have this moment of being like straight left off the roster 
sorry, your name's not called. I get that. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't have much for it. I totally get it. It's just like, and there are there are expendable roster spots. When we did our wish list last episode, I went to four strikers, not because we need four strikers on a roster for a tournament, but because, and it was basically Pepe was my fourth, even though Haji was kind of the Haji was taking P Fox spot for me, even though like one of those two has to be on there. Pepe was my fourth guy, and it was essentially like the sentimental pick because of what he did in qualifying because yeah. he came through in qualifying as a was he 17 18 year old kid uh so young so making young making his senior team debut away in a world cup qualifier and scores uh, a goal like he was he was totally a sentimental pick for me so i i get the uh i get the heartbreak for leaving him off and i also get the angle of um sort of what, what do we want to call it like ammunition um, for Mexican American fans to see it and just say like, yeah, of course, of course they left, they left him off. I don't want it to be like a completely mercenary thing. We, we have to bring Pepe so that we can attract more dual Nats to play for the U S more Mexican Americans to play for the United States of America. I mean, although I would, I would like that. Um, I just think it's more about doing the little things we can to sort of move the perception and the culture. And I'll just read something that Mario on the Discord wrote. He said, um, not sporting-wise, but just how meaning... This is a, this is a dyed-in-the-wool U.S. men's national team fan. Not sporting-wise, but just how meaningful it would be to see a first-generation mestizo playing for the U.S. I love that boy. He's special to me. Reminds me of my children and me when I was a child. Hope he turns this into just fire. I don't know. I think, it, I think that stuff does matter. I... I do understand that the on sporting terms, the decision to bring Haji is defensible and maybe even preferable. But um, well, it just comes down to just bring a fourth forward. Just bring a fourth forward. You, could, you have you have spots to play with. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know how Berhalter feels about like uh, you know, when we talk about Jordan Morris being there as like maybe an extra player. Um. Greg Berhalter probably has like a very specific job. He envisions Jordan Morris performing if it comes to that in the World Cup. Uh, so it, that that's where that's where it sort of ends, right? Is how is he building the roster? What jobs does he see each person playing? He's had nothing but time to game this out. Um, what contingencies is he planning for? Uh, but I get the sen- I totally get the sentiment. I think it's it's a it is powerful. Uh, it, I would have loved to have seen Pepe. It, it would have met, been an incredible story for a U.S. roster and for Pepe in particular. But um, I don't have much more, much more besides that. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're not too mad about Tillman or Pfock, I gather. No, Pfock really. maybe a little bit. Pfock maybe a little. Again, just because uh, I think he could. He, again, I think he could add something if everything else is falling apart. I'm not sure that Haji will add the same kinds of things that PFOC could sort of go in and just do. Uh, PFOC is a bulldozer. Uh, and so we don't have, we still don't have that unless we're just being like, no, Sergeant gives us that. And Berhalter might think that, that Sergeant, we already have that with Sergeant. So we're covered. Um, because PFOC can't hang his hat on like, well, he scores. He just, he just scores, right? I mean, he, he doesn't just score. And it doesn't seem like, Union think that he's a guy who just scores anymore. He's kind of lost his place there as well. So, no, I mean, yeah, notice he didn't didn't start today. 
for that. Yeah, there there just really aren't any snubs on a soccer level that like hit me really hard at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I I'm with you mostly for the reasons I just explained. The Pepe snub hits me in a different way. Um and I'm sad for, and the Ariola snub just cuz he seems like such a good dude and um to me a a more useful player than Jordan Morris uh that that hurts a little bit but I don't think either I don't think Morris is going to play I don't think Ariola would have played that much either I mean I hope Morris doesn't play that much I'll I'll do respect uh so what it's going to come down to is we still have we still have uh another round of games in Europe and so uh like we're we're I, I'm not I'm not hoping anyone gets hurt I'm just saying like the the roster is announced and now we'll have to see if it ends up being the final roster because we'll have these games. Then we'll have a week of training and camp in Qatar and God forbid anything should happen. Um, we have a couple of guys that if we call on, um, hopefully we'll be ready to go. Did you know the world? Did you know our first world cup game is a, a week from Monday? It's insane. It's insane that this is all happening. It's a lightning round world cup. Incredible. Um, I want to make a point that Matt Hartman made to me. He he tried to jump on the live show earlier tonight and couldn't get it to work, mostly because it's probably my fault on the technical side. But he just wanted us to talk about the, or to mention the youth national team influence on this roster. This roster has nine players who played for us, for us being the U.S., at a U-17 World Cup in the last four cycles. The 2015 World Cup had... Uh, that's the 2015 U-17 World Cup. Haji Wright, Luca De La Torre, Christian Pulisic, uh, and Tyler Adams were in that one. Um, in 2017, Josh Sargent, Tim Weah, and Serginio Dest participated in the U-17 World Cup. And then in 2019, we had Giovanni, Reyna, and Joe Scali. Uh, that is a in, incredibly higher return from those, from those U-17 teams to the senior team than we have, had seen previously. The 2014 World Cup team only had two players who had played in a U-17 team, Josie and Omar Gonzalez. And the 2010 team only had one, uh, Jonathan Spector. So Hartman says, just flat out better talent ID and player development since 2015. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the, the cohorts have been excellent in... Uh... Watching it, it also feels special again because of what we've been doing for the past four years with this podcast. Um, we've watched and what Hartman's been doing for God knows how long. Oh, Hartman, <laughs> been at it since the late 1800s. <laughs> He's, he exists outside of time. Uh, yeah, what like watching these guys do this for the youth teams and now be doing this for the national team. 15 of these guys were Tokyo eligible, uh, which is just a crazy thing. 15 out of 26. Tokyo Olympics for yeah, those for the, of you and <laughs> for the for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics um which is a U23 tournament on the men's side so uh an insane number and it's most of the top end of the roster the the you know the yeah. fringe uh veteran vibes guys tend to be the older guys this is it's crazy it is crazy and i i know we spent a ton of time on the snubs um on Pepe and Stefan but the actual players here are a delight. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who I listed as likely to play a lot uh, is under 25, except for Zimmerman and maybe, well, definitely Tim Ream if he's one of the center backs. He's not. 
And then Matt Turner is over 25 too, right? He's like 25, 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everybody else is under 25. Children. I mean, it's children. And even Kellen Acosta still like on the younger side of things. This is, this, I, I feel like we could really just be having this team get everyone, everyone in the country sort of swept up in a wave if they, if they come out and do something against Wales. <laughs> Which yeah. they can absolutely do. Yeah, I mean, we could come out and play. We could play lights out against Wales and have a great game and and give everybody something to be excited about. Um. Yeah, yeah. Let's just be. Let's just be excited. Let's be happy. Are you? Are I mean? Do you have to feign it, or are you like? Well, it is a little late where I live. It's. <laughs> it is. It's after. It's after midnight now. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling. I'm sad about. I'm sad about Pepe. It's. I, it's going to take me a couple of days yeah, to get over that. I get it. I get it. There's. There's a grieving process here, and I. I don't mean that flippantly. Like, uh, again, we've invested. We invest in these players with our. With our. With our souls. So, um, but from a soccer sense, like for me, this roster is is singing a little bit, and and the top end are all there. Um, you know, minus minus like a injury to Chris Richards, um. But this is this is a group, man. This is a group that can do some things. You mentioned earlier that you have an eleven for Wales. I think you should go ahead and tell us what it is. My snap eleven. It's not a snap eleven. It's, uh, it's the. I, I think I've told it on said it before, but I guess I'll drop it again. It's the. Uh, you expect me to remember that? <laughs> it's the two one two three two. So it's essentially like a two three five, but with. Eh, whatever. It's to it's to combat Wales' uh five four one sort of defensive block setup. Um and I've got Turner and I've got Zimmerman and I'm I'm I have Tim Ream uh as the left center back, and then I've got uh Jedi and Dest on the right. But the the trick here is Jedi plays in that high line of five, but Dest in possession will actually just kind of funnel into the midfield three. As he uh, loves to do. Uh, because he's versatile and he can sort of do that and he can be a chameleon there and go forward when he needs and interact with everyone else. Um, the the big twist here is I don't actually have MMA starting here. And it's actually because I don't respect Wales enough to play all three of MMA to solidify our, our spine defensively. And I'm willing to risk it and go full out attack. So I'm only starting two of MMA and I don't care which two. And then Gio Reyna plays as a third center midfielder. Mm. And then we've got Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah as the nominal wingers, but Weah will stay wide on the right, and Pulisic will kind of stay higher and central. Um, and then Josh Sargent will be the striker uh, who will kind of play off Reyna and Weah and that sort of shifted a little bit to the right opposite Pulisic. My lord. I it's love gonna, it. It's going it's to win. It's, it's a 2-0 win. 2-0 win easy with Matt Turner in goal. I think, don't you think Berhalter will probably stick with the MMA midfield against Wales? Yes. And I'd be, I'd be, it'd take a ton of time watching Wales video to convince me that that's the wrong move. Like, I think you should probably do that. Uh, (laughs) The the reason you wouldn't is if you've watched a ton of Wales video and you say, I just don't think they can, I don't think they have enough weapons to hurt us. So what we need to do is make sure we give ourselves the best opportunity to score goals. Like we got to make sure we don't waste any possessions and MMA for as much as I love them, aren't necessarily as attack heavy as a midfield with uh, like Gio Reyna in it. Yeah. In Tim way also on the field. Few midfields are as attack heavy as they are with Gio <laughs> Reyna in it. So anyway, that's my, that's my Wales 11. There we go. I love it. I'm so now I'm even more excited now. 
All right. We're winning. We're winning that game 2-0. I'm not sure we struck the right tone here, but, uh, you know, we do what we can. We do our best. And um, I do think, I do think by and large, it's a good roster. And I, I guess if you think it's not, I, what, who, who do you think should be here and why, you know? And, and beyond that, like what impact does that change make on the Wales match? That's yeah. what I want to hear. Well, uh, what impact does that make on the 15 or 16 players who are actually going to play right, most of the minutes? Right. If you think Mal, if you absolutely think Mal, Malik Tillman should be here ahead of Jordan Morris, like what impact is that going to have over the group stage is what I'm kind of curious about. Not to go all bad vibes immediately, but <laughs> what, how does that change for you if all of a sudden we have like a Zimmerman long center back pairing against Wales and then we start, uh, I know you like Ferreira, but say we start Ferreira against Wales and, you know, he gets crowded out of the game. Long makes a bunch of mistakes. My, so my, my sort of what I think is sort of the reasonable bad case scenario here, it's not the worst case. Anyone can have a bunch of shockers and, you know, we can have a worst, worst case. But what I feel like what I'm most afraid of is actually um, that scenario you talked about, Ferrer starting and Aaron Long starting. And it's just sort of going to be an opportunity cost issue for 45 minutes where we can't be dangerous. We don't create anything. We, ha- we really struggle to build because Aaron Long's not the best at building out of the back. Uh, we can't just go long direct because Jesus Ferrer can't play that way. So we essentially waste 45 minutes of clock time. And this is what I'm saying. Like, if we think we are the better attacking team, you don't want to waste 45 minutes of attack time. Like you need to attack uh, optimally for 90 minutes to get a one or two zero win. You can't, you can't just kick 45 minutes to the curb and just be like, Oh, we'll just get them in the second half. Like that's a, that's very wasteful. So -hmm. that's where I'm like, if we don't think Wales can hurt us, that's where I want to go heavy on the attacking side and be like, no, these are the players that will open Wales up and get us goals. And we have enough in defense to not let Wales be dangerous. We should have led the whole podcast with me saying this team is going to, this group is going to win 2-0 against Wales. I feel like that's <laughs> the energy we should have started with. <laughs> totally. Totally. We're very bad. We're very bad at that sort of thing. Um, one, I think one thing, that, one thing that does work in our favor uh, is how bad we looked in, sept- in September. <laughs> Everyone's written us off. Yes. I mean, no joke. I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on another pod, but when I was on the, when I was on like a, a an episode of a, some other podcast with people from England, Wales, and Iran, they all picked us to finish last in the group. But, you know, if you just went and watched those games in September, man, you'd be like, we're going to destroy these guys. They're terrible. And, um, I'm not saying it was Greg Berhalter 4D chess. <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't either can i throw out can i just throw out at the end of this hour long now episode uh another stefan theory Mm -hmm. it would be that um you know one i think burhalter maybe overestimated stefan's ability to play the ball with his feet um but two if that's what he thought his main strength was uh it's possible burhalter felt that was a very necessary strength to have in qualifying and is much less of a necessary strength to have in the world cup proper if we're not going to, you know, be constantly out possessing teams. And so the the September window notwithstanding, like it might be the case that he's going to lean hard into um, less of the 
disorganize the opponent with the ball methodology and more of the let's go out and smash Mexico in the mouth and beat them uh, when they want to try to have the ball methodology. This, remi- this reminds me. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Greg. Um, <laughs> we're all over the place, but I think it, I think it works. Uh, you, I was listening to your Joe Lowry episode, which I thought was really good. The little 10 minute bite. And you said that, you know, there were games where we tried to create scramble moments in the middle of the field. Would you, would you consider the Mexico game at home one of those? Yes, definitely. I thought it was a, like an intentional tactic to like, we, we would kind of move it around the back a little bit uh, in a way that wasn't terribly complicated, not hitting it necessarily into the amoeba, just moving it maybe from side to side. Um, and then as we drew Mexico forward, we would sort of loft it, not long, but medium. We'd hit a medium lofted ball into like Mexico's, right in front of Mexico's holding midfielder. And then it looked like that cue was designed because our front two of uh, McKenney and Musa would already be like, they'd, they'd recognize the cue that that ball was coming and they would go race to attack that, that one Mexico defender. And we would sort of try to swallow up either the first one or more likely just the scramble that ensued after the second ball, um, win it there, and then outrace Mexico back up field, even mm-hmm. with Tyler Adams joining at that point. So I thought it was a very deliberate like scramble ball creation situation. And that's also why, I mean, I don't know if anyone remembers how, how the discourse went, but we had so many tackles in that game on the counting stats, like a stupid number of tackles for those three midfielders. And then in the Jamaica game following where Jamaica did not try to like do anything like that, like to, there was never any of that. Everyone was like, man, Gianluca Busio has zero tackles in compared to like Weston McKenney's 15 against Mexico. And that was kind of being painted as a way that Busio wasn't living up to McKenney's role. Mm. And it was just two totally different games because that Mexico game was all about creating tackle moments. Interesting. Yeah. I remember all of that. Uh, somewhat vaguely, but um, what were the other games where we did that? We, we we did it almost less intentionally in the goal in the Nations League final against Mexico. We just weren't too committed to actually keeping the ball, and we were set up in a way that was like designed to just be really hard to play against. With the Acosta, um, uh, we were we were we were just doing nothing in that game. <laughs> it was so like, like an Acosta McKenny double pivot. Um, <laughs> But no, it was just very much just like, it was hard-nosed stuff. And then the Gold Cup was the same way against the Gold Cup final against Mexico. For me, was the same kind of thing. We weren't like set up to try to like disorganize. In that one, it was maybe less scramble ball moments and more just like setting up traps or just sort of setting that uh, standard Burhalter press that we've been implementing um, and sort of letting Mexico have it and then trying to play against them that way we weren't trying to put together 30 pass sequences. So those are the big ones that stand out. And those were, you know, clear pragmatic moments for Berhalter where it was a trophies on the line, nations league final gold cup final. Let's, let's just uh, dispense with the, the pretty stuff and let's win a street fight. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We later will for this sure, month. Yeah. We will for sure be willing to win a street fight in Qatar. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think Berhalter will hesitate to go that route. He is not interested in changing the way the world views American <laughs> soccer anymore. He's like, fuck that. <laughs> Tim Wea Tim is going to change the way the world views American soccer just by his own charisma. Yeah. Future president of the United States of America. <laughs> All right. The vibes have been restored. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you.